This is episode number 59 with Suzanne Gunderson. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. I'm always excited about the guests we bring on here as each person has achieved high levels of success in their field and I know they can help others by sharing their knowledge. Our next guest is an expert in a topic that's been on my reading list the past year. When I was speaking with Suzanne Gunderson and she mentioned her life's work has been based on putting Dr. Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory into practice, I stopped what I was doing and I asked her if she could tell me more about this. For the past year, I've been watching trainings from Deb Dana, whose mentor was Dr. Porges, and I bought her book, The Polyvagal Theory and Therapy, and had written down that I wanted to do an interview on an expert on the polyvagal theory. Plus, I heard Dr. Lori Desatel mention Dr. Porges' work for the past year, so I wasn't surprised when an expert showed up. If you're new to this work, like me, you'd know why I would be looking for an expert to explain this theory. Someone who could put in simple terms to explain what we all must understand about our central nervous system when it comes to managing our stress response. These days, this understanding is more important than ever before, and this is exactly what Suzanne does with two tracks. First, she does stress education, so the science of stress. And secondly, she speaks about the nervous system with regulation techniques. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much for being here today to share your knowledge and your programs on such an important topic. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with us. It's going to go a bit deep. And like we spoke about, there's so many layers to this theory, which is why I'm glad that I have you here to help me navigate it. And when I look back at all my notes I've got, you know, the starting with the central nervous system and then all these um, diagrams and labels, I still can't explain it properly. So um, thanks for helping us to break down this theory so we can think about how we can apply it for ourselves, as well as teachers in the classroom and parents and anyone maybe perhaps working from home these days, or people who just want to apply it for themselves in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get right into the questions. What is polyvagal and why is this theory so important for us to understand these days? Absolutely. So it's, it's like you said, there's so much to unpack with the polyvagal theory. But in the short answer of it is, is that it is the science of safety and connection. It's a, it's a map for us to truly understand how to live in our most modern survival strategy, and that is of social engagement. And it talks about living in our humanness, and that in our humanness, we have a very unique ability to use language to communicate. And we have the possibilities to really truly connect in safety and in meaningful connection that's going to help us not only survive, but thrive in life. And that makes us different from our ancestral evolution. So that's polyvagal. Got it. And so if I was to think about it, are we stripping off all everything and just talking about the central nervous system right now with polyvagal? Well, we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about the mind and the body because it does get into the layers of thinking mind as well, but it does really start off with the body and you know, if you want me to, I can go through the polyvagal chart, which really shows us kind of the, the branches of that. 
If you could, because I got this first chart from Dr. Lori Desitel. I attended her seminar in October. So this is where I first saw it. Um, and I've been watching some trainings from Deb Dana, and then you're going to talk about yours. So if you could share your screen and explain what's yes. happening at the three levels where I know green is the goal. And we've heard from some other experts that you know getting into the green zone in our brain i've heard that term quite a few times so if you could explain these three levels that would be helpful yeah absolutely so there's a lot to unpack here as i mentioned so first i want to share with you what these three branches are of the nervous system so if we start off at the bottom it's the color green and that is the goal because that's our most modern survival strategy is that of language and communication this is where we experience love and joy and friendship and connection that's effortless and easy. And in our awareness and perception and neuroception of threat, we begin to rise up on the stress response and we go to something called the sympathetic nervous system, which is that middle section, which is orange and, and red. And in there, we experience things like fight or flight. And if that does not resolve our, our stress threat, we then go up into the upper level of the chart here, which is the parasympathetic nervous system's dorsal vagus, which is how we freeze. So social engagement in the bottom is the parasympathetic nervous system, along with freeze at the top of the chart, which is also parasympathetic nervous system. It's just one is responsible for us to do a rest and digest, which is at the bottom. And the top is when we actually are frozen and immobile with fear, with no strategy for survival. And so, those are the three branches. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into each one because these branches have, are what or just calls hierarchical. So if we go to more, our most ancient strategy when we were fish, the only survival strategy that we had was to freeze. We couldn't run away. We didn't have arms or legs. We couldn't fight. So our survival strategy truly was to just shut down. And then as we evolved from fish to become amphibians and reptiles and we had arms and legs, we then had a defense strategy of fighting or running away. And then now we have evolved into our humanness and that is the bottom of the chart. And that's where we have that language as our, our most modern survival strategy. Not necessarily that we're using that all the time, but uh, it is a possibility for us. So we've got the three branches, they are hierarchical, meaning that when we are threatened, our initial reaction as a human is to look to somebody else for cues of safety and connection. And what we're looking for can be conscious or subconscious, but what it is that you're actually looking for are um, a raised eyebrow, uh, a pleasant tone of voice, uh, a, a, even a higher tone of voice, a regulated heartbeat, something that's gonna make you feel like you are safe and connected. And when the body receives those kinds of safety cues, it will start to calm down. But if it doesn't, then we revert back to more ancient strategies like fight or flight. And if fight or flight isn't something that's accessible to us or that we exhaust ourselves and we can't, then we go into freeze. So we'll just keep going hierarchically backward in our evolution. And this is why we need all three of these branches in our humanness. It's not to say we should never experience fight or flight or freeze. We need these strategies for survival in certain instances in our life. It's just that we need to be able to embrace our human evolution and come into using language and communication as our most you know, 
as our most dominant and modern way of, of connecting and surviving. I also want to share with you that, you know, the chart also shows us uh, by branch what type of, of symptoms that we might be experiencing based on where we might be stuck. So if when we're, when we have a, a receiving some type of a perception of threat and our body reacts to it, we might see an increase in blood pressure, in heart rate, in adrenaline, in our cardiovascular system. We might have a, a, a contraction of the musculoskeletal system begin to happen. And we go into putting all of our resources into fighting or flighting. And then if we're unable to resolve the threat at that level, we move to the freeze stage. And the freeze stage literally releases everything. It just collapses everything. You know that old expression, scared, blank, you know, where you release all your bowels. That's what it means when you completely go into freeze mode. So when you're in sympathetic nervous system, your everything increases, heart rate increases, your cardiovascular increases, the breath work, um, your musculoskeletal system tightens up. But then when you go into freeze mode, everything just collapses and comes down. And each one of these branches has stress symptoms associated with them. So you can see some of the emotions listed here on this, on this chart. You might be somebody who's anxious all the time or lives with panic, uh, lives in um, anger. Or maybe you're somebody who even farther up on the top of the chart is in shutdown mode, who's had addiction problems, who deals with um, you know, brain fog, things where you just don't have access to all your resources. So truly polyvagal is, is, a, is a chart for how to map out for us to get back to safety and connection. And when I'm looking at the chart and the three levels, so I can always think of it that some threat or some stress is always good for us because it motivates us. So I'm, I'm always thinking it's not all bad, you know, but just knowing that we need some strategies to get ourselves back on track. Absolutely. So and yeah. yeah, that that blue wavy line between the green and the red at the bottom is an appropriate level of stress. We want to live with excitement and enthusiasm, and we don't want to just be lying in a hammock all the time, which would be kind of green and calm. So we go up between you know the green and the red with appropriate levels of stress, but we need to be able to peak that appropriate level and then come back down to calm again, not peak and continue to rise up on that stress threat. Got it. Absolutely. So what would be some strategies um, to help us get out of the, the red zone? Let's just say if we're, you know, our workload is really high, what are some strategies that we can do and what would you suggest? I know you talked about some top down ones and some bottom up ones. What would you suggest? So I, uh, we, you know, when we're looking at this chart, um, we have to understand that the vagus nerve in the body, which connects kind of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system together, meaning it kind of helps the brainstem decide which direction it needs to go. The vagus nerve runs from the back of your, your throat, down your spine, all and through every single organ that you have. It has many, many arms and legs on it, and it's all over your body, and it really is what your body is neuros perceiving as to where that threat might be. So 
I like to do vagal toning exercises because they're really easy and they're super effective and quick. So some of those things uh, are in the Deb Dana book, uh, a quick inhale and a long exhale. So I, th I thought it would go off kind of a list of what these vagal toning exercises. So if you're taking notes, take notes. And I'm gonna stop sharing right now if that's okay. Okay, we can kind of see each other again. Uh, so one of the first one that's really simple is if you just take a quick inhale and a long exhale, what you're actually doing is you're vibrating that vagus nerve in the back of your throat. See, when you have stress, stress is like a hiccup to your body system. And you know, one way to kind of get that rhythm going again is you want to just regulate that vagus nerve in the back of your throat. So taking a quick inhale and a long exhale, maybe do that for about 30 seconds. Quick inhale, long exhale. That'll start to reverberate that vagus nerve in the back of the throat and be able to help you to regulate that vagus back down to calm again. And it will kind of send, they'll call off, you know, the alarm system that's going on in the mind body. Uh, another one. Uh, before you go to your next one, uh, we just did episode 58, uh, released it today. And they are a virtual reality company that's teaching these skills to students and teachers in the classroom. And they talk about it as box breathing. And they've got the students that draw a box for how they want to exhale, make sure that they're exhaling the right number out. And so that was one yes. of the examples in our last episode. So it's interesting how now you've tied in the vagus nerve, how important it is for our nervous system to make sure that we're taking those breaths. Because we, we know it works, oh, absolutely. but why does it work so well? Can you explain? Because, because the throat where we inhale through is very closely connected to where the vagus nerve is. The vagus nerve is a very ropey, thick nerve that runs from our brainstem down into all of our organs in our body. And so it runs along the back of the throat. So breathing, like Ujjayi breathing in yoga, where you hear that real sound of the ocean kind of voice, any kind of chanting or, or humming or any wind instruments that you might play like a recorder or a flute, anything where you're actually using that breath with intention is going to help give that reverberation into the vagus nerve and it will help to kind of reset that quote unquote hiccup that the vagus nerve may be experiencing when it's stuck in the stress response. So if you're in, in the classroom and you're stressed, you know, you can just take a quick inhale, and a long extra and exhale and start to regulate that vagus nerve for yourself. Wow. That's why we do that with the breath. And we can do it with humming. You can do it with the chanting of Om. You can also use the word Vu, which is a Peter Levine word, Vu. It gets that kind of humming going in the back of the throat. Um, also, you could just pound your thymus on your chest. That'll also wake up your vagus nerve. You can also listen on YouTube for free, some, some free drumming music. There's drumming, just primal drumming that will help reset that, that rhythm in the vagus nerve. Um, and then there's also some energy me methods like tapping where you can actually tap on energy points. Um, one of my favorite is Eden's energy method, uh, something that she calls a triple warmer smoothie. And I thought we could do that together right now, which is a really quick thing to do. Sure. And I know some might be listening and some might be watching. So I'm going to explain it. So if you just took your index finger on the top of your eyebrow, on the inside of your eyebrow, and your middle finger under your eye, yep, and right on the, on the top of your nose. And then you're just going to press into your face and sweep your face from the inside of your eyebrows all the way to your temples, 
with your two fingers and then take your two fingers on each side, start tapping your temples and make sure to breathe. And then take those fingers and just tap along the back of your ear on your head all the way down to your neck. And then put your hands in a fist on your thymus and just take a nice breath. I would like to do that about three times. So again, just index finger on the top of your eyebrow, middle finger on the top of your nose, and then just sweep your face with your fingers. Take your two fingers on each side, tap the temples, and tap your head behind your ears all the way down your neck, all the way to your thymus. Take a nice breath there. So she calls that the triple warmer smoothie. And what that really is doing is that there's an energy meridian in the body that's called triple, triple warmer that's responsible for all of our fight or flight energy. It runs from our ring finger all the way up the arm, back of the head to the temple. So when that fight or flight energy is on fire, it is really signaling from the ring finger all the way up to the temple. So how to reverse that energy is we literally start tapping in the opposite direction. We start engaging that meridian in an opposite direction. It really will very quickly neutralize any kind of stress in that moment. I wanted to tell you about my story about um, corporate America and some of these strategies, because I know that you're using these strategies in the corporate world. That's yes. right. Yes. So I'm talking about, let's go back 2006. So it was quite a while back. And if there was a new strategy that came on TV, the sales manager would always pull me in and say, you know, Andrea's probably heard of this new energy strategy. Let's ask her. So it was tapping and she said, have you ever heard of this? And of course, I actually attended a seminar from someone that was working closely with Dr. Bruce Lipton. And I started using tapping for um, mental strength and resilience um, with regards to sales. And I always was a, a top performer. So when something like this came out, they're like, does Andrea do this? And so, of course, I, I was using it. I was familiar. I said it works. I've been using it. So my sales manager said, why don't you come in and this uh, meeting, you present this to the sales team. And I thought, sure, I'll, I'll present this. Like, I've always got these off-the-wall ideas. But it didn't go over very well at all with, with the sales team. They looked at me. They thought I was nuts. They're like, what is she talking about? We are totally not doing this. And... Um, you know, they, half of them made fun of me and I still see some of the guys hiking. They, they probably <laughs> still are like, that's the girl that does this weird energy stuff. So tell me how has it changed now? Is, is tapping becoming more um, acceptable to do in the, in the corporate workplace? I know we now have meditation rooms, so we didn't have that back then. But what about like taking time out to this? This is stuff I do all the time for belief mental strength how is it right changed oh I'll, I'll tell you that even the 10 or 15 years that you tried to introduce it to them i had the same experience back then myself i got called crazy but now there's more people than than fewer than before uh, that are open-minded and interested in real techniques that work for them as crazy as it might look mm -hmm. that they are really more willing to be open to it and in the corporate world they are having meditation rooms and, and making time for more mind-body practices like yoga and breath work. And while energy um, techniques are still a little bit woo-woo in their eyes, uh, I find that I, I work individually with people, one-on-one, -on -one, salespeople specifically, because I spent 25 years in the sales world. 
for a major corporation, um, that they'll do it. They will do it. It's not something that you will do in public. You won't do it in front of a client, but it is something that they will use as their own toolbox. They can do it in the car. They can do it in their office. They can do it on the phone. Um, I've also worked with brokers in trading rooms and who can't be tapped, who don't want to, you know, show people that they're tapping um, for the visual of what it may be, they may be judged as, you know, being doing. Um, but I just, I invite them to draw just a picture of a small smiley face on their desk. And I just have asked them to point a pen at each of the points and just saying, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. And it really works for them. So more and more there, that world is kind of opening up to these methods. That's good to hear. And just like a lot of the stuff, you know, uh, back then I, I was interested in putting social and emotional programs in some of our um, products that we were selling to the school market. And it wasn't the right time for that either. So, you know, timing has to be right for everyone. You're way ahead of yourself. <laughs> I know. I was, I was dying to do a lot of these things for so many years. So it's kind of fun that it's come to this point that we can finally talk about this kind of stuff openly. And, and you know, it's, it's readily accepted. Well, you know, in the evolution of our thinking mind, we've literally left the body behind. And we just know how to think our way through what we think are all the answers. But we have now learned in today's day and age that we really need to be integrated with the mind and the body. And the body doesn't move as quickly as the mind. And the body keeps the score, which is Bessel van der Kolk's great book. Um, and so we need to learn how to walk integrated and, and respect that the body has you know, immense wisdom in it. And that really working with the body's energy systems, working with the body's you know, cardiovascular, working with the body's whole central nervous system is going to help us be able to feel that what we're doing is living our purpose and walking in the right direction for it because it will be in sync with how the brain works and not just letting the mind kind of take over. Well, that brings me to the term neuroception. So I heard it first from uh, Stephanie Fay, and she did episode 39 for us. Um, using neuroscience to improve mindset, self-regulation, and self-awareness. And she explained that it means that we must get better at sensing what's happening in our body, the environment, and between two people in relationship with each other. So can you explain the term neuroception and how it can help us to understand ourselves and others better? Sure, absolutely. So neuroception is a word that Dr. Porges made up. Uh, he wanted to use the word perception, but it, it often inferred kind of a mental awareness as opposed to what he wanted was a whole body experience awareness. And he really is more leaning in the direction of wanting to use a word that inferred intuition. So he created neuroception, neuro meaning the nerves combined with perception. And this is his word to be able to explain what's actually happening. Um, if we relied completely just on perception, and a lot of our, our perception is mental, it just wouldn't cut it in terms of the speed in which the body actually responds to threat. It's much faster than the mind. So neuroception truly is our way to be able to connect with our intuition in the body's nerves to be able to understand if it's safe to connect or if we have to respond with threat. And in our humanness, our response to threat should be to use language and communicate. Now I get it that there's, there's animals out there and, and there's people that fight each other for blood, 
Um, but really that's not living up to our full evolutionary potential, which is to use language. And I think we're just, we're just scratching the surface at that as we learn how to embody wisdom and live in peace with our authenticity and, and knowing our part in the world, as opposed to living with the, you know, the belief systems and the rules that really had us in self-betrayal patterns. And as we start to evolve out of that and into who we truly are, there's a huge paradigm shift happening with that right now. We will be able to more fully embrace our humanness and be able to leverage more and more the languaging to, to offer safety and connection with each other than the other strategies. When you think about humans that fight, well, they're using more of a sympathetic nervous system, you know, more ancient strategy of survival uh, because of their inability to communicate. You think about children even, but they don't know how to speak, so they hit each other. You know, as I like her and I hit her, I like him, I hit him. And, you know, my three-year-old three -year nephew does the same thing. It's like he loves me and then he bashes me with his head, you know, <laughs> and that's how he expresses himself. So we're evolving to, to be able to understand how to use the language as, as we have as the possibility of safety and connection. And I just saw something about the fact that we can um, be regulated by a calm tone of voice. And there's a lot of yes. research behind micro expressions on our face. So all these little oh. things that we can do to help regulate other people, our children, you know, can you talk a little bit about things that we could be more conscious of doing and being with each other? Oh, absolutely. Um, when you're around somebody who is hyper or threatened, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a coworker, what you can do to help them without saying, hey, I'm going to help you calm down, is if you start to lift your eyebrows up, lift your eyebrows up. And if you start to speak with a little bit of a higher tone of voice, and if you start to speak more slowly, it's almost like if you imagine a baby crying, the mother comes over and she gives a little, oh, you're gonna be okay, and the higher pitch voice and the eyebrows go up. That's what our body is wanting to sense to be able to feel safe and connected. So we can do that with anybody that we're around. Slow down our speech, raise our tone of voice, lift our eyebrows, smile, make sure that we have a very calm heart rate, breathe normally. That will signal to the other body that it's safe for them to also communicate in that way. Now, some people might not get it and they might bounce off and be angry and go out in another direction, but at least you'll be calm. And that's most important. You stay calm and green and regulated for yourself. So we have this unique inner ear muscle as humans where we're able to hear these higher frequencies. You know, it's when you have an animal at home and they hear something and you, they look at you and you say, what did you hear? What have you heard something? What did you hear? We don't have that ability to hear those lower tones as animals do because we are having, you know, access to higher frequencies to be able to hear, you know, things that are going to help us to be able to calm down and self-soothe. So this higher frequency. So when you're with someone who's threatened or stressed, lift your eyebrows, start to speak more slowly, speak in a higher tone of voice, make sure you're breathing calmly, and it will help signal to their bodies that it's okay to calm down. And that's when two people can regulate each other, or you know, a regulated brain regulates another. 
Yes, yes. Especially with, with the stress right now with how we have so much to do. We've got our kids that need to have their homeschooling done. And there's emails after emails of let's see, have you done seen this project? And we can all start to get stressed out about it all. And Oh, plus it's a whole new way of learning. I mean, they're they're at home and all the you know distractions of home and home isn't really a classroom and now it is a classroom. So, right. yeah, they're they're living in high stress. They're unable to get focused. Right. You know, we have so much stimulation all the time. That stimulation can take us sideways, and when we're sideways, we're not regulated. Mm-hmm. And so we have to recognize when we are sideways and be able to you know use the toolbox of tools to come back to be able to be more regulated in the moment. And that also will allow us to be able to focus on more about what's important and not have to worry about a thousand things that we are being subjected to be influenced by. We can really pick and choose what we want as opposed to just kind of letting everything come at us. Because, you know, our bodies just are not that resilient to deal with all of the overstimulation of global world events. Mm-hmm. Just not. We're not meant to. And so our stress response is staying on and we're living in that red zone of that sympathetic nervous system. And truly, in order to survive and thrive in life, we have to embrace our ability to use language and also be able to reset our body rhythms back to being able to appreciate restoration and recovery as more dominant than busyness. We put a value label on busyness that has kept us in overdrive and always trying to achieve more and more and more when we really need to relax more and we'll actually achieve more. But we just haven't understood that, you know, um, in, in, in an embodied way. But I think that some of this pandemic right now is forcing us to kind of slow down and get into the body for that. Absolutely. I love that. Relax more to achieve more. That's kind of what's going on over here. I'm trying to have that be the theme because normally I would be go, go, go and trying to jam as much as we can into one day. But I'm just trying to. It's true because we put such a label of value on the busyness and busyness has really destroyed our nervous systems. This is why we live with chronic stress and anxiety and we don't know how to get restful sleep. We don't even know how to take a vacation. We feel guilty to take a vacation because we might be missing out or we might not keep the edge on what we need. And the real value of life is in the restoration because Therein lies when your body systems can reset and come back to normal rhythm. All of the pain and disease, physical, emotional, mental, all is a symptom of a dysregulated nervous system. And this polyvagal chart that Porges has developed in his theory shows us exactly, this is where I am on the chart. You can point and say, this is where I am. And it will show you a map on how to resolve that and what you need to to do more of in order to calm your body down. And it's a real retraining of the mind and body to to value restoration more than the business. Um, I I wanted to just skip back to a question that you had a a little bit ago about the top down and bottom up, if I could. I wanted to share a photo of a copy of our brain and talk about a little bit of the different types of therapies that are out there and what I would recommend for kind of beyond just the vagal toning exercises, which are wonderful, which are quick and fast in the moment. But if you're really looking to, you know, go in a path of, you know, of, of true transformation and restoration, that there are some other great things to know about. So I'm going to just share with you. This is a picture of what they call the triune brain. So when we talk about 
top-down versus bottom-up type of modalities. Top-down has traditionally been uh, all of your cognitive behavioral therapy, your talk therapy, your mindfulness, hypnosis even. These are things that have been more Western-oriented as opposed to you know, what we're learning now in, in the body being bottom-up. It's more of the trauma release exercises, the somatic release exercises, myofascial release, yoga, breath work. And I know we're looking at a picture of a brain. So I want you just to kind of look at the bottom, it says reptilian complex. So the, the bottom part of the brain is, is your brainstem. And this is our instincts. There is no emotion here. There's no thinking here. It's complete instinct. And the next layer that we grew into is the limbic system, which is where we keep all of our memories and our emotions. And the next layer we grew into in our humanness is to have this neocortex, specifically the prefrontal cortex, where we have all of our rational thinking and our creative mind. And when we're in stress, that neocortex completely goes offline. You can see the majority of the brain just completely goes offline. And we are living in the reptilian instinct and the limbic system's emotional habits and memories that keep us emotional and keep us living by instinct. So when we talk about top-down, we really have been living in the neocortex for the top-down types of therapies, like the cognitive behavioral therapies, the talk therapies. But as we've been discussing with polyvagal, we have been living more in the, the more ancient strategies of survival, which are closer to the reptilian part of our brain. So I believe it truly makes sense in, in terms of healing and transformation to start with the body because the body is instructed by the brainstem. When we begin to regulate the body, then we'll have an opportunity to have more of a, a relationship with emotion that is going to keep us more um, in control and also be able to relate in our, in our rational thinking mind. Again, when we're stressed, that rational thinking mind, that neocortex completely goes offline. We have no access to it. And really, in order to, to resolve the stress response, we have to go to the body, go to that brainstem, and be able to do the activities like somatic release exercises, the myofascial release, the massage, the yoga, the breath work, things that are just really in tune with your body to help regulate the vagus nerve and help those body systems come down off that stress response on that polyvagal chart that we saw. That way we can start to, you know, invite in some of the emotions and be able to relate with them a little bit differently. And then we can actually go into the thinking mind and have a different perception about things that might be triggering us to keep us in that threat response. So that's why I like sharing a copy of this, this picture because it really helps me, you know, lean in the direction of body first. It makes sense based on our evolution. We started with a brainstem. We then grew into having more of a limbic system for emotions. And then we grew into that thinking mind. So get back to basics, go to the body, work with that reptilian brain by doing some of those body exercises. And then in the middle of that limbic system, some other modalities that are there would be the tapping, the energy tapping, energy methods. Also would be something like EMDR, which is that eye movement, desensitization transformation some things that actually help people regulate their emotions. But really where you are on the chart is going to help you understand, on the polyvagal chart, can help you learn more about where you might need to start. If you're in freeze and you're depressed and you have brain fog and have insomnia, 
really regulating the body is a great place to start. If you're more in an angry mode and anxious and overthinking, maybe you want to start with some limbic system type of therapies like tapping or EMDR. Um, or, you know, if you've got a great, you know, yoga practice going, but you just can't wrap your head around a different perception of things, then maybe thinking therapy is good for you. But know where you're at. And this is a real simple way to kind of figure that out between the polyvagal chart and this this brain copy. So thanks for letting me share that. There's something that I have seen from Dr. Bruce Perry, where he always goes back to the fact that in order for us to have clear thinking in our cortex, we have to have gone through all the other areas. So he talks about yes. bottom up, like to get to our thinking at the top. So start from the exactly. bottom and go out. Right. Have you ever talked to somebody who said, uh, I just can't meditate? I hear a lot of clients share with me that they just can't meditate, which makes a lot of sense because if you're trying to calm the mind down, the mind is only overthinking because the body's overwhelmed. So you have to really regulate the body, you know, really relate with those emotions, and then you'll be able to actually think the mind. So it's not nothing is wrong with you if you can't meditate it just means you need to help your body calm down first in order to be able to stay with your body's breath stay within your body because sometimes for people that's very traumatizing mm -hmm. so regulating the body regulating the emotions will help you to bring that thinking mind back online you'll have more of a chance of being successful at any type of meditation practice but truly what dr bruce perry says is exactly right is that you can't be thinking when the thinking mind is offline you've got to regulate the rest of the, the other systems to be able to bring that thinking mind back online. Oh, so that brings us back to the fact that we've all got to make sure we're doing all the things we need during these times, our exercise, um, taking some time, some breaks away, go, go outside, go for walks if we can, you know, not everyone's able to go out right now, but trying to find those ways to to regulate ourselves so that we can have a calm mind. So hopefully some of these strategies could help people. And if people want to get a hold of you to learn more about your work, what's the best way? I have a website called transformedconnections.com. I offer a free 30 minute consultation. So you're welcome to go to the website and schedule some time with me and share with me what might be going on with your stress and I mean, I offer stress resilience solutions, both top down and bottom up, depending on where you're at. And it's a real opportunity, you know, if you're really you know, ready to do the work and, and have a toolbox to manage stress for the rest of your life, um, and it's to win it with you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much, Suzanne, for explaining this polyvagal theory, making it not as complex breaking it down a little bit, making it um, understandable for all of us to use, whether we're parents at home, you know, trying to think of some strategies to use, some breathing that we can use, whether at home, school, or in the workplace. So thank you so much for all of these ideas. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Wonderful. I look forward to learning more about what you're doing, and thanks so much. You have a wonderful day. You too. 
If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 